This audio program may contain descriptions of violence and topics that may not be suitable for everyone. Please listen with caution. Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? It's fear. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. So, so I met him on Tinder, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like this nice kid, whatever. He's a little skater-ish for me, but he's got he a good was beard. A skater boy. <laughs> exactly. And I was the ballerina. Is that yes. the other girl? Okay. So she and, did ballet. Yes, exactly. That's me. I do ballet. That's what all my friends say about me. <laughs> That's her personality. <laughs> Trademark of my personality, ballet. So. We were just talking, and then he was like, oh, you should text me. So I was like, ooh, okay. (laughs) And he lives like 10 minutes from here. It was great. I was like, perfect. Mm -hmm. And at some point, he was like, I must have mentioned like aliens or something on my profile. And we got to talking, and then I was like, yeah, I do a podcast. Somehow we got to this. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, what's the podcast about? And I was (laughs) like, oh, it's about true crime, but like also paranormal and stuff. But like, I'm really interested in true crime. And he was like, oh, like Ted Bundy and stuff, haha. And I was like... Yeah, yeah, I really love Ted Bundy. Like, I did this whole thing on him, and like, I I talked about the bow you gave me with um with his with, face on his mugshot. Well, it's not Ted Bundy; it's the other one. Ooh, I was Dahmer. Good. Dahmer. Yeah. And I was like, like I sent him this big, huge text. It was like two paragraphs, probably way too long for a text, but it was all about like murders and like who I really liked. And I was like, oh, the psychology is so fascinating. He was like, LOL, okay. And then I've never, I haven't heard back from him. <laughs> He's over it. He's like, okay, she's cute, but she's psycho. So I got I got to go. Weeding out the week. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was like, whatever. Obviously, he can't handle yeah. it. Yeah. I'm not going to not, I'm not going to stop liking true crimes. So either right? you, you accept not for it or, a boy. Not for a boy. <laughs> Maybe for like a cat. Or a <laughs> baby. <laughs> but a baby wouldn't ask that of me because no. they're adorable. <laughs> They ask so little. They ask. Babies are so easy. (laughs) That's what people normally say about babies. Oh, those people, they're so So easy. easy. (laughs) You know them. A baby came in. So this girl at Sephora just came back from her pregnancy break. Maternity leave. (laughs) Thank you. But she breastfeeds and the baby needs to eat every like three hours Mm -hmm. because it's still like baby, baby. So her husband, who I think is adorable, he, Mm -hmm. he drives the baby in. Every, like, three hours when she's at work and she takes, like, a 10 or whatever and breastfeeds. Uh-huh. So the baby comes in a lot and I was playing with it today. I was like, oh, my God, look at your little tushy. And she's so ha- – she's such a happy baby mm-hmm. and she's always, like – she's never cried or anything like that before. She just hangs out. And then they went to the back and she was, like, breastfeeding or whatever. And I, I came back at some point and – they were behind a curtain, but sometimes the curtain's just closed for no reason. So uh-huh. I didn't realize they were back there. So I opened it up and like she's breastfeeding and she goes, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. And the baby hiccuped and started laughing. I was like, Oh my god. <laughs> but I was making like the this is so cute face and her uh-huh. breast was just out yeah. there. I was like, Okay, I'll close the curtain. <laughs> just like thanks. Just just out. I was like, baby. I feel like like after giving birth, you just have no shame. Yeah, I mean, she. I think she was just like the door is right there. If you opened it, every customer and Sephora could see. Uh So she was just like, I like. (laughs) Clearly, she wanted to be like, this is not the time to like talk about my baby with you right now. Like, I gotta Mm -hmm. do stuff. So, Mike told me. Well, while he was a little drunk the other day that he wants... He wants to breastfeed off of you? No, Aww. ew. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good. Um, although, one time when he, he sucked on my titty, and I was like, I'm your mother now. And that just totally <laughs> killed the mood. Yeah. I would have been like, I got to go home. <laughs> he lives here. <laughs> I got to go to another room. <laughs> I'm going to go sleep with your parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, because like, he's, he's adopted. Yeah. He's never breastfed. <laughs> so, um, but he did tell me the other day that he wants... He wants a kid mm-hmm. or kids at some point, and that when we decide the time is right, he wants to have a uh, stem cell shot in his testicles For beforehand. <laughs> for what? What does that do? <laughs> well, he wants to do stem cell treatment for his celiac disease, but he's like, yeah, they might as well just shoot some into the testicles. And I was like, but does that actually do anything? I have no idea. I was like, did they just get really tight all of a sudden? <laughs> and then do they, do, if you put too much in, do they just go back up inside you? Like, <laughs> what does it do? Well, yeah, like, does it change the spur? See, one day they're just going to be able to change all that shit. Once the baby's, like, formed oh, a little, yeah. they're going to just be able to, like, tap in and be like, okay, celiac disease is gone. Don't 
celiac. Yeah. Well, well, I don't think it's a celiac thing. I think he just wants them to be but strong. Yeah, but, but I don't. Think I have stem no cell idea. Does that? I don't think. That's I don't how think that works. it does either. And if it did, you'd have to. I don't know. I don't. They're probably I feel like fine the way they are. Yeah. You know. I mean, you should probably try without it first, and then maybe if you really have a hard time. Yeah, I don't think you don't even know his swimmers could be fine just the they, way they are. I, I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, I mean, you should try. On. Okay, try to get pregnant. And no. if you do, we'll know they're fine. And if no. not, then when you want to get pregnant, <laughs> stem cells. I already know I'm fine. Yeah. It's, you know, he's it's the him. bust one. So we'll see. So well, we don't know that. that. We don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and then I was like, I was trying to decide which gender I hate the most, <laughs> least. Because uh-huh. we have kids that come into work all the time. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know which one I hate more. And I, I was like, like, you'd be racing the kids. So they'd be cool. Oh, are you kidding? Mike would race the kids. Well, Mike would be raising the kids, so they'd be cool. I want him to be able to do his nerdy shit with them and not me. (laughs) (laughs) You want to have kids so you don't have to do nerdy shit. Like, here, just just play with Jimmy. (laughs) Jimmy loves that shit. I think I would get very jealous if we had a girl. Really? Really. Yeah, but But again, I want a girl. But also, you say that now, but once you have a girl... Mm -hmm. Like, right now, Mike... He would be adorable with a girl. Well, also, right now, you're like, oh, I love Mike so much, whatever. Yeah. And when he's your husband, you're going to be like, this is the most important person in my life. But once the baby's born, she's then, the most yeah. important person in your life. So it's like, it it doesn't... I feel like it doesn't matter as much yeah. that he's getting his... Most, yeah, exactly. It, to you, it'd be like, good, give mm-hmm. your attention to her. That's the most important thing in our lives. You yeah, know? right now, I'm not I'm not there. Yeah. But um, the other day, I, we were discussing it. And I went down near his testicles. Oh, okay. I was like, I want a girl. You need to start thinking about that now. And he was like, what are you doing? All that sperm in there anyway. I was like, I'm preparing it because it decides. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yuck, yuck, yuck. I terrorize him. Today I was like, I want a baby when the baby was in there. And like all my bosses were like, you're too young to have a baby, blah, blah, blah. And they like really turned on me. And I was like, don't. I mean, it's not for real. Don't worry. Nobody loves me enough <laughs> oh, to give no. me a baby. Oh. Like, <laughs> just I'm not having sex. One. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it's fine. I'm not going to be pregnant. Trust me. <laughs> and they were all just, and then they turned back into like, oh, no, don't say that. Oh, I was like, well, you can't be both. What like, is wrong with them? Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, so um, my murder has a lot to do with children. Okay. Today. Our topic today mm. is vicious rulers. Yes. This is Helen High Horror. I'm Austin. Hi, <laughs> sorry. I'm Reppy. I really wanted to do Trump. I thought it'd be really funny <laughs> if I described his whole life but didn't speak about who it was. Uh, and what at the, the end it was, was like, and that was Donald Trump. <laughs> but I picked someone else. Yeah. We don't have any like juicy shit on him. Yeah. Well, well, not murder stuff yet. If we had gold star moments like last podcast, this would be one of them. I'm telling everyone right now, this is not for the faint of stomach. I've never even heard of this person. Well, you're gonna. This is a golden gut thing, <laughs> I guess. You need a strong stomach. Because this gets real fucked up and really graphic and it involves children. If you throw up, take a picture, send it to us. <laughs> yes. No, I did that. <laughs> Name it after me. Yeah. That's so the awesome. this also takes place in France. So I had to look up a lot of pronunciations. Oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. I'm going to try. Mademoiselle. Yes. We have a couple of listeners in, Fran- in France. So <laughs> well, I'm going to fuck it up. three words. So there you go. <laughs> so um, Gilles de Ray, also known as Gilles de Montmorency Laval, was born sometime around September of 1405. Hey. Our, our places are near each other. Really? Our, our mm. people. Yeah. Some just use... Dure as the name, and mm-hmm. some just refer to him as Jill. So I'm going to say Jill. Is it? How do you spell it, the first name? G I L L E S. I was I, hoping it was spelled like Gilderoy Lockhart from Harry <laughs> Potter, but it's not. I, it, I always thought it was Gilderay, but it's Jill, apparently. Jill. Jill. So he was a baron, a knight, and a lord who ruled over three French feudal states called Brittany, Ajou, and Poitou. <laughs> Like the sauce, ajou? Ajou. Isn't that a dip it's, that you dip your French dip into? It's um, A-N-J-O-U. It might be. Ajou. 
Yeah. That could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was originally born into the house of Montmorency Laval with no real claim to land, but he expanded his fortune and the scope of his power through marriage and camaraderie with those in stations above his. By all accounts, he was intelligent and well-educated. After both of his parents died in 1415, so he was 10 years old, Gilles and his brother were raised and taught by their maternal grandfather, Jean de Crayon, Crayon, Crayon. <laughs> who attempted to arrange several marriages for Gilles. The first arrangement was attempted when Gilles was 12 and his Oof. betrothed, heiress Jean Penel, was just four years old. Ew. Yes. Why? Uh, because his grandfather was kind of a shyster. <laughs> a shyster. <laughs> Gilles was married once. In 1420, he married Catherine de Thoras. Who was a baby. <laughs> she was just six months old. No. <laughs> and she was of Brittany. From this marriage, he had one child, a daughter named Marie, who died at the age of 28. And had no children, so. No, she didn't get married when she was six? (laughs) No, apparently not. He couldn't set that up. Yeah, he couldn't do it. He tried his best, (laughs) Gilles served as commander for the Royal Army from 1427 to 1435. Wait, sorry, how'd she die at 26? Does it say? I didn't, I don't know. Just like one of those terrible things. I mean, it's the 1400s, so like a cold. Everyone was just falling down. Like it rained, probably. (laughs) It just rained one day, yeah, Yeah. and that was it. That's it for her. So he fought alongside Joan of Arc in many battles during the Hundred Years' War. Those who fought with him described his actions during the war as reckless bravery. For his bravery and success during the war, he was appointed Marshal of France on July 17th, 1429. Joan of Arc was a girl, right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) When Joan of Arc was burned at the stake in May of 1431, Gilles was not present. Oh, right. were they in love? No. Should we make another Hallmark movie? I think she was. She was she, was she like, celibate? I think she was because her whole thing was like God to- yeah, tells her sure to do she shit. Yeah, fuck. and that was probably like his thing. Oh yeah, I was I'm guessing he's not things. marrying without fucking. Uh, I yeah. have a feeling. <laughs> his life after the Royal Army was unorthodox, to say the least. Right after he retired from the military, Gilles spent a good portion of his wealth on staging a theater production that he had composed called Les Misteries du Siege d'Orléans. Les Mis? <gasps> he created no. Les Mis? <laughs> it's, it translates to the mystery of the Siege of Orleans, mm. which is a battle he Sounds fought in. Like it was probably terrible. I've never heard of it. Uh, the play apparently had over 20,000 speaking lines in it for 140 parts. Jeez, that's a lot of lines. And required 500 extras. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> right? Dude, dial it back. <laughs> 600 costumes were made for the production, all of which were discarded once they had been used once. Oh my God, <laughs> right? why? Because he could. <laughs> He's an animal. Oh, oh, just You're wait. right, he is a cruel ruler. <laughs> Is that it? Is that all you did? Okay, moving oh, on. Oh, <laughs> no. Those who came to see the play were treated to free unlimited food and drink Ooh, on Gilles' dime. I would go to that play. Right. When the production did not turn a profit, he began selling off his land. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Really? <laughs> Just comping everyone, everything. Yeah. And so he began selling off his land to maintain his lavish lifestyle. When his grandfather died in November of 1432, he left his sword and breastplate to Gilles' younger brother in order to publicly show his displeasure with Gilles for spending his fortune. Stupid Gilles. In 1435, Gilles commissioned the construction of the Chapel of the Holy Innocents, where he officiated services and ceremonies in robes that he had designed himself. (laughs) What a He is like... So flamboyant. Like, he is way too extra. (laughs) Yes, he is very extra. By 1433, he had sold all of his properties except those of his wife and was left with only. He had a wife? Yeah, yeah, this was the wife. Yeah. He was left with only two castles in Anjou. Only two castles. Right. Man, he really is slumming it. He's fucked up now. (laughs) (laughs) By 1435, Gilles' family members tried to intervene on his spending. They even asked Pope Eugene IV to disavow Gilles' church, which he refused to do. 
After the Pope denied their requests, they went to King Henry IV, who granted their request and published a royal edict on July 2, 1435, that denounced Gilles as a spendthrift and barred him from selling off any more of his King, properties. King Henry of France? It's Okay, so it's a little weird because King Henry of... England was ruling over France, but they called gotcha. him Henry II. Wait, who was married to Marie Antoinette? I don't That was a know. Henry too, right? There's a bunch Henry of Henry Henry the 100th and one. Yeah. Um, the edict also forbade any subjects of Charles VII, who was also in the mix somehow. I don't claim to be a history person. I mean, mine's full of that too. Yeah. And like, I guess that's correct. I yeah. So it forbade any subjects of Charles VII from entering into contracts with Gilles. Oh, Gilles, you're fucked now. Right. Now you gotta live in your two castles <laughs> like a peasant. <laughs> <laughs> this led to creditors pursuing Gilles to repay his debts, which he did mainly by leveraging his collections of art, manuscripts, books, and clothing as collateral. Did it, was his play still going? <laughs> I have no idea how long that play ran for. <laughs> Two days right? until he ran out of money. <laughs> By the fall of 1435, Gilles was forced to leave Orleans and return to Brittany, where the edict did not apply. While in Brittany, Gilles reportedly became interested in the occult. Priest Eustace Blanchet and cleric Francois Perlotti later testified that in 1438, Gilles ordered Blanchet to bring him individuals who were knowledgeable in the study of alchemy and demon summoning in hopes that he could conjure more gold or make a deal with the demon for his soul. <laughs> this is his business this is <laughs> plan. Great. Good. Stick with it. <laughs> Blanchette sought out Perlotti, who gave Gilles his books to study, and after Gilles felt he had learned enough, he began experimenting in the basement of his castle at Tifau. I think it's Tifau. There he attempted to use his newfound knowledge to summon a demon named Baron. According to lore, Gilles prepared a contract to present the demon with that promised riches that Prelati was supposed to pay at a later date. Gilles tried three times to summon Baron, but he never appeared. Yeah, he was like, no, I need it up front. <laughs> right. When Gilles complained to Prelati, he was told that the demon was angry with him and needed an offering of children's body parts. Uh, that makes sense. Right. Gilles did provide these body parts, but Baron never appeared. <laughs> Fucking Baron. I blame him. <laughs> he, he was like, oh, dude, fuck. I was just, just kidding. He I just really I stood him really up, didn't he? The, ooh, I did not want this. Right? I, did, I thought he was just going to leave. Ooh. But this was not the strangest aspect of Gilles de Rey's story. According to his own confession, he started assaulting children in 1432 mm. and committed his first murders at Jean Tassé sur le Loire. I looked up the I looked up the pronunciation. I have it spelled out phonetically on here. <laughs> Many of these murders could not be corroborated, though some records survived. A 12-year-old boy called Jodon, who was a furrier's apprentice, Furrier. Furrier? Like, someone that worked with fur. Oh, okay. Yeah. He made fur shit. Not someone who dressed up and had sex in animal costumes. No, not a furry. Gotcha. That's different. So this boy, Judon, was lent to Gilles de Ray's cousins, Gilles de Seal and Roger de Briqueville, as a courier to take a message to Mashkul, where Gilles was living at the time. The boy never returned, and when asked by the furrier where he had gone... The cousins claimed ignorance. In 1437, the naked bodies of four children were discovered on Gilles' property. Oh. Ready? Mm -hmm. According to servants and advisors of Gilles, some of the children he kidnapped were lured to the castle under the pretense of an apprenticeship opportunity or approached the castle to beg for food or work. Mm. These children were initially pampered and dressed in fine clothing. They were given large meals and hippocross, a alcoholic drink made from wine mixed with sugar and spices, which found, sounds amazing to me. The victims were then taken to a room in the upper part of the castle where they would be tortured, sexually assaulted, and eventually killed. Gilles' closest servant, known as Poitou, was allegedly present during many of these murders as well as were 
others who Gilles considered to be his inner circle. He later testified that the children would be hung from a hook by ropes. Mm. Gilles would masturbate on the child and fondle the victim. Masturbating on someone is such a, like, disgusting thing to do to someone if they don't want it. Yeah. They they say mainly on their stomachs or their thighs. And he would fondle the victim if they had male genitalia. After this initial assault, the child would be taken down from the ropes and comforted by Gilles. When he was satisfied with the physical and emotional torment he inflicted on his victims, Gilles would kill the child himself or order his cousin, Gilles de Salle, and his servants to do it. This was what done. What the fuck kind of servants and Gildas whatever is fucking killing kids? <laughs> yep, they're just they don't question it. They're like, well, okay, he's the boss, I guess. He, he's the one with the fancy play. <laughs> he's got the play. Right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> this was done by decapitating the victims, cutting oh. their throats, dismembering them while they were still alive, or breaking their necks with a stick. Ooh, which one's better? Which one's the best one? Which pick Breaking right their now? neck with a stick. Really? Not decapitation? No. Depends what you're de- being decapitated. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. Ooh, okay. A double-edged sword was often used to dismember or decapitate, and Gilles would sometimes masturbate into the exposed guts of the dead child. Ew! Which is the single most disgusting sentence I've ever uttered. And also, I just don't get it. There's oh, a quote on. later. Poitou claimed that Gilles would rape or abuse the corpses of the victims by kissing them, cutting them open, keeping certain body parts. He also reportedly kept the heads of the victims he found the most attractive and would kiss them on occasion. Just the decomposing heads. I guess you could do worse. Yeah, that would be better if he just did that like once than all this, but Uh. whatever. A direct quote from the trial of Gilles Deray. When... These said children were dead, he kissed them, and those who had the most handsome limbs and heads, he held up to admire them, and had their bodies cruelly cut open and took delight at the sight of their inner organs. And very often, when the children were dying, he sat on their stomachs and took pleasure in seeing them die and laughed. It was noted that Gilles was repulsed by female genitalia and would only sodomize the young girls he kidnapped and killed. He's not a fan of the vagina. Nope. That repulsed him. Not yeah, all this that, other that's shit. That's the repulsing right? thing yes. in this story. The, those those darn vaginas. Wife? Is his wife dead by this point? No, she's just hanging out, I guess. <laughs> she's just there. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, he doesn't like my vagina Maybe either. she's at one of her castles that he can't yeah. sell. Yeah. Poitou claims that he and the other servants burned the bodies of the victims in the fireplace in Gilles' bedroom. Some were burned limb by limb to reduce the smell. Once fully immolated, the ashes were dumped somewhere on the property, usually the moat or the latrine. If the parents or family members of a victim ever came looking for them, they were often told that their child had been sent to a nobleman or even the king to learn how to be a page. The last murder took place in August of 1440. That's my birthday month. In May of the same year, Gilles kidnapped a cleric from a church during a dispute. This led to an investigation by the Bishop of Nantes. I think it's Nantes, who discovered the grisly evidence. Gilles and all of his accomplices were arrested on September 15, 1440, after a secular investigation was done. Mm, That's not my birthday. No. (laughs) Gilles was tried for murder, sodomy, and heresy. There was an abundance of witness testimony presented at trial. On October 21st, Gilles Doray pled guilty to all charges, likely to avoid being tortured. According to some, he feared that the Catholic Church would excommunicate him if he did not confess. What? That's his fear? And he didn't want to go to hell. Well, you're going there (laughs) anyway, buddy. (laughs) Peasants in the area whose children had gone missing after visiting the area around Gilles' castle now assumed that they had been killed. Yeah, I would too. There has been no concise answer as to how many people Gilles tortured and killed in his castle of horrors. Conservative estimates put the victim count to around 150, while some say that it could be as many as 600. Jesus Christ. Right? The victims were all between the ages of 6 and 18 and were predominantly boys. 
On October 23rd of 1440, Gilles' two servants were sentenced to death. Gilles de Ray was sentenced to death just two days later on October 25th. The following day, Wednesday the 26th of October, all three were taken to the gallows on the Ile de Besset to be hung and burned. Gilles de Ray had requested to be buried at the Notre Dame de Carme in Guanas. Go fuck yourself. Like, you can <laughs> oh, be it's burned a... and buried with the other kids. No, fuck him. It's the Notre Dame de Carme in Noza. That's it. Gilles addressed the crowd <laughs> with an air of piety and urged his cohorts to die bravely and to think of salvation. Gilles was the first to die as he had requested. At 11 a.m., the brush below the hanging platform was set ablaze, and Gilles was hanged. He died on the end of a rope and was cut down before being burned. The two others were also hanged but were reduced to ashes. In a century since Gilles de Ray's death, theories have been presented in his defense. Some believe that the Catholic Church or the French state or both conspired to get rid of Gilles, and to give what little lands he still owned to the Duke of Brittany, who had been given the authority to prosecute Gilles. The Duke ended up dividing Gilles' land among his own nobles. In 1992, a mock trial of Gilles de Ray was held by a Freemason, former French ministers, parliament members, and the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. During this trial, Gilles was found not guilty because no bodies had been found at his home in Tufos. Many discount this mock trial because none of the participating members were medieval historians, and many factors were questionable. Historians generally agree that Gilles de Ray did commit these crimes. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he... I don't know, 600 seems like a lot, but it sounds like he killed some kids. Yeah. I mean, according to some reports, the towers in his castle were filled with skeletons. But um, then where are those skeletons? Exactly. You know? So it's probably a lot of, like, burn. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of lore and mm -hmm. there's, you know, some point to Gilles as the inspiration for the folktale of Bluebeard, the uh, tale of the a pirate? nobleman. No, that's Blackbeard. <laughs> Different. <laughs> uh, the folktale of Bluebeard is the tale of a nobleman who habitually murders his wives and keeps their bodies in a hidden room in his castle. Wow. Which doesn't, isn't that close to this story, but okay. So yeah, that's Gilles de Ray. Wow. Mine's very similar. Is it? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> but he is the source of, of folklore yes. and legend. Well, this so one is of. just like, so I found out about Gilles de Ray through Mike's friend, who is like a medieval history aficionado. He's a history teacher, and medieval history is like his thing. And I would have never heard about this guy otherwise. That's crazy. I know. I've never heard of Especially him. Especially with how depraved he was, you know? Ooh. That's crazy. Little kid murders is rough. Yes, it is rough. Especially what he did. Ooh. Okay. If My you turn. made it through that, good for you. <laughs> Mine's not as bad, because it's not little kids. So, as long as that. they're as long as they're over eighteen, <laughs> as long as they've reached that threshold, right. they are adults, and it is not that bad. Okay, so mine is it's Vlad the Impaler, yes, and he's the one who inspired Dracula. So mm -hmm. I wanted more Dracula, Dracula in it, mm -hmm. but I mean, there's a lot of Dracula elements, but yes. I I wanted it to just be Dracula. <laughs> you, know? you really just wanted. To talk I really about just Dracula. wanted to talk about Dracula, but. <laughs> Baby Vlad was born in Transylvania, mm -hmm. which that's a real place, um, in or around 1431. There's, okay. They can't really tell. but So really around the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. So where he was born would now be like the middle of Romania, basically. Mm -hmm. So Romania. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he was Vlad III, basically. And his father was Vlad II, Dracula. <laughs> Dracula. Yeah. And his mother's unknown. So no one cares about that. her. <laughs> yeah. She just so, gave him life. Yeah. So Vlad too, Daddy Vlad, <laughs> was married to Princess. Ooh, I should have. I should have. Nezhna. 
of Moldavia. Yeah, I'm sure the names in your thing are harder to pronounce it's, than in mine. I think there's a silent C. It's C-N-E-A-J-N-A. Schneja. Of Moldavia. And he had several mistresses, which is who they think Vlad came from. Our Vlad, baby Vlad came from, yeah. Yes. Um, and he had two brothers. One was Marcia. Born in 1430, and one was Radu, born in 1435. So he was like the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had you a, know those middle children. Yeah, they're the worst. He also had a, uh, a half brother, mm-hmm. Vlad the monk. Oh gosh, what, guess what he did? What he was a monk? Yeah, he monked. <laughs> yep, he monked here and there and everywhere. <laughs> um, around they don't really know, but anywhere from 1425 to 1430. Okay, so the old his oldest brother. Mercia, actual older brother, not half brother, mm-hmm. um, was sent by Vlad, Daddy Vlad, to fight the war against the Turks in 1444. Okay, and this war was called the Battle of Vornwa, no Varna, and was lost. <laughs> and Marcia and his father died in 1447 because the war was lost, and they were like kind of seen as traitors, so they were killed for their mm-hmm. whatevers. As as happens, yeah. So during the war, though, Vlad, baby Vlad, and Radu, his younger brother, were held as hostages by the Ottoman Empire from 1442 until 1447 when the war ended. Okay. During that time, Vlad suffered from the hands of the Ottoman, and it was kind of what made him into the monster he becomes. Mm -hmm. So he was held in an underground prison, but his younger brother, Radu, the guy who becomes the monk, caught the eye of the sultan's son. Oh, love story. Mm -hmm. Am I right? So he was released and converted to Islam, Radu. <laughs> okay, then. And he was brought into the Ottomans' court, like the royal court. So was he his boyfriend or not? I think he was. But okay. it doesn't explicitly say, like, they were lovers. Mm-hmm. They just say they were, like, friends. Like, he caught his eye, but they were bone and hard. Mm, yeah, of course so, they were. In my Hallmark story, they were. So <laughs> My <laughs> story. <laughs> So Hallmark, get on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Or Lifetime would be more like it. Yes. Lifetime? His brother was a murderer, <laughs> but he was a lover. <laughs> he was also an impaler. <laughs> I was I was gonna make the joke that He wasn't he wasn't Vlad the Impaler, he was Radu the Impaled. <laughs> Come on, Lifetime, it's writing itself. It is. If we uh, can do it, you can I do mean, it. At least Pornhub should be <laughs> writing this down. So three years, the three years had a great influence on Vlad. And because he was often whipped, beaten, because he was stubborn and rude. Uh-huh. And he he hated Radu and the Sultan's son, Mehmed. M-E-H-M-E-D. Mehmed. Mehmed. So he hates the Sultan and Vlad. Zimonk was waiting in Transylvania for a chance to rule Wallachia, which was like what his father, I think, had ruled before, or at some point it had been in his rule, like in his family. So it was an area. Yes, yes, it was an area, yeah. So Vlad the monk was monk until he became prince of Wallachia, which I didn't think you could quit monking to be a prince but yep. i guess you can i mean if if you get offered to be a prince, I mean, be, a prince. be a prince so and that was in 1482 and so back to radu radu known as radu the fair or radu the handsome Ooh. Ooh, handsome was baby vlad's most important rival because he continuously tried to replace vlad on the throne so was, was he a baby <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's there's Vlad's dad, Daddy Vlad, and then there's Vlad, Daddy the baby, Vlad. baby Vlad. So Ooh, Daddy Vlad. Ooh, Daddy. <laughs> Ew. Ew, He's dead now. So I'm sure. <laughs> so basically, Vlad is a ruler right now, mm-hmm. and his brother, the monk, is now prince of an, another area. Okay. And Radu wants to, he's like, I want to be a ruler. So he mm-hmm. wants to take Vlad's position. Okay. And he's in the Ottoman Empire with the Turks. Uh-huh. Or against the Turks. Wait. Ooh, history is not my strong suit. <laughs> what was I saying before? A good description of Vlad at this point, Vlad Dracula. Yes. Is from Nicholas of Madrusa, who wrote, He was not very tall, but very stocky and strong, with cruel and terrible appearance, a long, straight nose, distended nostrils, a thin and reddish face, in which the large, wide, open green eyes were inframed by bushy black eyebrows, mm-hmm. which made them appear threatening. 
Hmm. His face and chin were shaven, but for a mustache. And the swollen temples increased the bulk of his head. A bull's neck supported the head, which, <laughs> from which bulky curly locks were falling to his wide-shouldered person. Mm. So he was like kind of hot, yeah, but like a little like airy hot. Okay, but so he he had a fucked up nose, and he was a little hot. He was like Adam Driver. Well, he had a long straight nose. Yeah, but still. So like it was kind of like too perfect almost. Oh like, really? He had like a pointy chin and pointy features. So he was very yeah. like harsh on harsh. You know, like where you see someone with really nice cheekbones and really nice nose, but they have a rounded face or something that gives them a softer yeah. quality. He, he was didn't all, have softer all qualities. Edges. Yeah. yeah. So Vlad the Impaler, as I'll, I'll call him that now. Now he's not a baby. <laughs> Um, now he's an impaler. Yeah, he gets married. That's the that's the evolution of his Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, and he has a son from his first marriage, who later becomes the Prince of Wallachia, who hmm. his brother is the Prince of right now. He's later known in life as Mehnia the Evil. So you know it runs <laughs> around. His, they all get these the something. Yeah, yeah, fun little nicknames. So his um so Vlad the Impaler's first knife. Dies during the War of 1462. Oh, Sorry, God. this isn't funny, but it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> so, so she, you want to know how she dies? Yes. So they were fighting against the Turks. Ottoman Empire is Turkish. Yes. So they're fighting against the Turks in 1462. Mm-hmm. Again. Yeah. But throughout Vlad's whole life, it's him, Transylvania, and the Turks fighting, right? Okay. During one of the like fighting times, um, the Turkish army surrounds Vlad's castle, the Poneri Castle, led by his brother Radu. Oh, so the handsome. Yes, because he he's the impaler. He, yes, <laughs> and rides the handsome. <laughs> he probably hates that. <laughs> so the evil, the impaler, the handsome, the, handsome. <laughs> the monk. It's like, yes. ooh, you know uh. what? He'll just be the monk. <laughs> so Vlad's wife throws herself from the tower, <gasps> and her last words were, "I would rather." have my body be eaten by the fish of Argus than be captured by the Turk, which is like the water she fell into. Yeah. The fish of Argus. I mean, things, you know, it Did happens. not think highly of the Turks. <laughs> yeah. Vlad moves on. He gets another wife. Yes. And with this second wife, who they say is a second cousin of his or mm-hmm. whatever, he has two more sons. And they say he might have had a daughter, but no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to talk They were like, well, she's not going to be a prince of anything, so fuck her. If she looks anything like her father. <laughs> yeah. They think her name was Maria, but again, there's like not really. Everyone was named Maria. I know. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so Vlad the Impaler spent most of his time at the court of the city of Targovisti. He made laws and met foreign ambassadors. He judged trials and he reinforced some castles and probably enjoyed hunting with his friends probably probably but um most people did so let's just assume but there was a constant state of war like i said it made it almost impossible to trade in Wallachia. vlad wanted to solve this problem oh okay so vlad's the impaler his brother's the prince got it now his brother who was the monk uh-huh is just he's, the prince now he's just the prince he's just the okay. prince yeah he's not mm-hmm. he's doesn't rule his own kingdom he's the prince yes. of wallachia so they're both in there yes got it okay it's very hard it's <laughs> a lot of old things i didn't pay attention to history <laughs> so vlad tries to solve these person uh, these problems with severe methods which is where vlad the impaler's name starts to mm-hmm. come in because right now he's still just known as Vlad, technically, even though I'm calling him Vlad. The Everyone Impaler. else has a nickname, but he's just me. Vlad. <laughs> he's like, what do I need to do? Right. He wanted to eliminate the threats to his power, so he takes a bunch of people from like nobility groups and boyers, which I'm not really sure mm-hmm. um, what those are, but they're yeah. also like the same level of nobility groups. Okay. And they're he up there. he kills them so that economic trade is lessened, so that. <laughs> People want to trade with Wallachia because they, they can't to. trade with anyone yeah. else. And this is when he starts beheading people and sticking them on spears. As a warning. So that it's it's a warning that not only if you mess with their trade, I'm going to kill you. But also if you try to dethrone me, mm-hmm. I'm going to put your head on a stick. Yes, for everyone and, to see. Yeah. And he used to stick them on 
poles and put them outside where you would drive up. So as you're uh, driving yeah. to his castle, even if and imagine that like you're not even his em- imagine being the fucking monk who's like, this is where I live every day. Yeah. Had to run out to the store. Here I am coming <laughs> back. Oh, look, a new head. Yeah. Now there's someone's head. And he would keep them More there heads. until all the flesh would fall off and it'd just be bones and then the bones would fall off. Yeah. And then he'd so use he the stick for a new him. head. Yeah. Yeah, he was just like, whatever, they're here. They're decoration. You know, he's kind of like um, the houses that keep Christmas lights on all year round. <laughs> he's a lot like that. Just lets them fester. Yeah, he's like, you know what? They'll be in season next yeah. year. So <laughs> once Halloween comes around, I will really be looking good. That's what he says. <laughs> so um, the Turks eventually start try to enter Wallachia in 1462. That's when his wife, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, and... Vlad is hiding from them. And on the night of June 16th, Vlad and some of the men enter. So they tried to enter and then his wife dies and all that stuff happens. Fast forward years, he gets married, all this stuff. But he's like, we're going to get back at them. Mm -hmm. So he tries to enter the Turkish camp wearing Turkish clothing and attempts to kill Mehmed, which is Radu's boyfriend, Mm -hmm. the handsome. But he doesn't succeed in his attempts. So Uh Mehmed's still alive. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the Turkish armies retreat and they leave Radu, the handsome. They defeat Vlad the Impaler and leave Radu in his place. Mm -hmm. They like, because he comes into the camp, it doesn't work, whatever. And they retreat and leave Radu. Mm -hmm. He's there now. The handsome. This It's repeated over and over <laughs> yeah, again. Radu, the, the handsome. handsome. It says he was known as two names, but I'm only seeing the handsome. I'm just pointing <laughs> it out. I bet you if someone called him the opposite name, he'd be like, uh, actually. Uh, 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 it's actually the handsome. I'm yeah. sorry. I'd like to go by that. Thank you. <laughs> and he gets a lot of support from n- nobility and all this other stuff because, you know, he doesn't spear people's heads and leave them yeah. on stakes. Vlad eventually flees to Hungary. He's, mm-hmm. you know. And he starts living in exile because he's afraid Mm -hmm. um, of all the, like, you know, because he's killed so many people. He's afraid that people are going to, now that he's not technically royalty, there's really nothing to protect him. He doesn't have armies or anything. Mm -hmm. When he goes to Hungary, Redu eventually makes a deal with the Hungarian crown that's like, you need to arrest him. So at first he's living there and it's fine. He's there legally. And then Redu's like, let's make a deal. Yeah. So he eventually is imprisoned. Mm Mm-hmm. And no one really knows the time of that imprisonment. Like, for sure, they it's a few years, but they don't really know when to when. He eventually gets out, and he's permitted to marry again. <laughs> he has more sons. No daughters this time. No. They're nothing to him. <laughs> They're nothing to Vlad. <laughs> so, because he is brothers with Redu, a lot of people who don't really know him are, like, into him. Because they're like, oh, well, because Redu is very pro-Turkish so in a pro-Turkish country they're like oh you're Radu's brother yeah. awesome so great then you're great yeah. this is all while he's not in prison like he's not in a prison but he mm-hmm. still has to stay in the country okay he's so still he's in like Hungary. on probation yes exactly so this is all happening and then finally when his kids are 10 years old he's released forever like he, they're mm-hmm. like you're done and he gets back to Wallachia in 1476 and basically there's a lot of like a lot of paragraphs that I don't really need to say. It's a lot of like this clan versus this clan versus mm-hmm. this clan. But basically he takes back Wallachia. Okay. And he serves again. This is where a lot of people say he goes a little insane mm-hmm. and he like pours blood on himself mm-hmm. and like does all this crazy shit. Kills children and mm-hmm. like it's not just noblemen this time. It's just like he's just anyone who's against him. But eventually instead of an uprising, everyone in Wallachia is just like, fuck you, we'll just go with the Turks. Mm-hmm. Eventually even the peasants, tired of Vlad's cruelty, abandoned him. Vlad had to meet with the Turks with small uh, forces at his disposal and his army was... So basically they have to meet up because they're like, we have all your people and he's like, fine, I'll meet you with my little small army. Mm-hmm. Which has less than 4,000 men. <laughs> yeah. Small. So this is where Vlad dies. But there are several variants of Vlad's death. Some sources say he was killed in the battles against the Turks. Um, others say he was killed by disloyal Wallachian boyars. So basically he goes to this meeting and that's like the last things on the record. Mm-hmm. And then they're not even really sure when his death is. They know it's like around that same time. But they don't know if he went and he started a war between them again and he died in that. Or if he went and it was like a bunch of the old peasants and stuff who were Mm -hmm. like we're gonna kill him they're not really sure how he dies but he's killed in like he doesn't die of old days he's killed in battle okay and uh a lot of reports claim that vlad was accidentally killed by his own men Ooh. 
Yeah. So Vlad's body, once he's dead, is uh, decapitated by the Turks and his head was sent to Istanbul and it was preserved in honey. Ooh. Yeah. The Sultan displayed it on a stake as proof that Kaziki Bey was dead, which is what they used to call him. Mm -hmm. To this day, no one really knows where his grave is. No one knows where his body was after it got decapitated. No one knows what happened to the head. Really? Yep. Nobody knows. So, so a lot of people describe Vlad as a demented psychopath, a mm-hmm. sadist, a gruesome murderer, and a masochist. But a lot of stories, this is where it gets like kind of sad, a lot of stories have been exaggerated over time. Mm-hmm. You know, at first it was he's impaling people's heads, and then it's like, and he's drinking their blood, like yeah. crazy shit like that. So the invention of movable, or movable type printing contributed to a lot of the stories about Vlad, and it was stories about him were the first bestsellers in, in Europe mm. to ever be written. They used to put like, wood cut so instead of illustrations like on paper mm-hmm. old books had like wood pieces that you would burn a picture into it and it would have like him decapitating people and stuff to sell mm. more stories uh-huh so, for instance one of the so one of the ones published in nuremberg in 1499 had vlad dining at a table surrounded by dead or dying people on poles oh gosh because sometimes most of the times he killed people and then put them on poles uh-huh but a lot of times he would do this thing where he had a stake and he would put you on the pole. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's uncomfortable and sticking you. And then he would have you hold the rock. Yeah. And it would eventually, and then Go you'd hold another you. one and another one and you'd yeah. slowly be impaled to death. Uh-oh. And he didn't do it a lot, but that is for a fact he used to do that. Oof. Which is just like, my favorite. Yeah. In that same, like, story... It, it describes Vlad. This is only a few years after he's dead, right? Mm-hmm. And it describes Vlad and it says he had a big copper cauldron built and he put a lid made of wood with holes in the top. He would put people in the cauldron and put their heads in the holes and he would fasten them there. Then he would fill it with water and set fire to under it. And he would let the people cry their eyes out until they were boiled. And then he invented frightening, terrible, unheard of tortures. He ordered that women be impaled together with their or suckling babies at the, on the same stake. The babies fought for their lives at their mother's breast until they died. Then he would have women's breasts cut off and put babies inside head first. Thus, he had them impaled together. What? So he would... He put them inside the breasts? Yeah, he would put them basically inside the women's chest. Oh. So they were impaled on a stick together. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more of these. But basically, (laughs) (laughs) he would cut off noses and ears. So this stuff's so fucked. So one tale says that 10,000 people were impaled in Transylvania. Another says close to 30,000 people were impaled in Transylvania under Vlad. His victims eventually included women, children, peasants, great lords, ambassadors for foreign powers, and merchants. Even though the majority were European victims that were merchants and boyers of Transylvania, most of the merchants there were German-speaking, but he had no problem killing people he saw as not loyal. So even if you were, like, in his group, and you could have said something like, are you sure that's correct? And he was like, you're not loyal, kill him. And the people would just do it, because it's like, well, if I don't kill him, then then I'm being impaled, and I just watched... Five women and their babies. He would put them on their chest. Imagine that. Putting it on their chest, knowing you're about to be impaled to death, and then it's going to go through and hit your baby. Yeah, and he would cut off their ears and their noses and fingers and anything he could that he knew he could cut it off and you'd still be alive. And there was one story that he cut off. There was like a a merchant who was, he, he said he was spreading false truths about him, like lies about him. So he cut off his lips and then he impaled him. And I was just like, oof, insult to injury. Yeah. Finally, the vampire legend. Um, The fictional vampire in the novel Dracula by Bram Stoker was inspired by the legends of the Wallachian prince. The cruel person of the impaler was a suitable character for Stoker's purposes because the events of Vlad's life happened in the region in the world that was still medieval in Stoker's time. So basically he took all these old writings that he was seeing and he made Dracula out of them. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get Dracula. Oh, wow. That's why we have Dracula. Yeah. Good old Dracky. Good old Dracula. Good old baby Vlad <laughs> doing it right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he was. It was a rough period of time, it, it seems was. like. It was. The 1400s. Who Not knew? Not great. Nope. Not a great time. You know, good thing we're here in the. Right. 20th hundreds. 20th hundreds. <laughs> uh, 
in the 2000s. Someone's going to be like, none of those were factually correct. Yeah. I'm I'm 100% certain about his torture and his death and all that stuff. It's just like, I was reading Wikipedia and I was like, I don't care that he's still fighting the Turks. Oh my uh, God, I get it. He's fighting someone. Moving on. <laughs> Transylvania doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> even though it should, because that's a great name. It is. Apparently, there's a lot of really beautiful castles. Yeah. There. They're so yeah. old. Romania is really pretty. Romania. I'm part Romanian. Romanian I, I am not Romanian. My okay. grandmother had her DNA tested uh-huh. for some reason. <laughs> and okay. she, she was like, look at my results. I'm Jewish. Yeah. 98.8% Ashkenazi Jewish. 1.2% Nigerian. That's it. It's like anyone could have told you that. We're all like 1% Nigerian. Yeah. <laughs> well, those are our vicious rulers. Those are them. Not but not Radu way. the Handsome. No. And his lover. He's fine. Mehmed. 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 That's man. a beautiful name. <laughs> Mehmed. So, we are Helen High Horror. We are. On Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook. Shout out to the... I don't know if you want your name said, so I'll just say shout out to the woman who... Instagrammed me like two hours ago and was just like, We really, I really love your podcast and I followed you on everything and you know, whatever. And I, that stuff is like the only thing that makes my horrible day working <laughs> better. So, yes, uh, I don't think I got a message, so we know right. who the favorite is. Me! <laughs> <laughs> she hates you, so it's fine. Yes, <laughs> so we're Hell High Horror on Twitter because mm-hmm. they wouldn't let us be Hell and High Horror. Nope. Too many characters. Right. Just like us. Like, too many. <laughs> too much. Um, I am going to be having surgery on the 22nd, mm-hmm. the day after my birthday. And I will record it when she's passed out and I will <laughs> post it. I will live yes. stream it from the room. <laughs> um, So we will try to, maybe we could do a double record before yeah. some we'll shit like that. Yeah, we'll see. I'm going to be on clear liquids for a week. Yes. Gonna I'm going to come dick. in every day yeah. to her house and I'm going to drink not clear liquids. <laughs> and be like, man, does that suck yep. for you? <laughs> I want a pregnancy pillow because I'm going to be yeah. in bed all, like for you a should. week. So get one. I get a want good one. one. Um, get one of those trays too that like go on yes. the pillows. That like We have a Patreon. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and we're about to put out our news episode. We yep. just recorded it before this. Um, yeah, if you just donate one dollar a month, you get our news episode. We talk about true crime stuff that's happened you know, over the last month. News, news, we talk about that news. stuff. <laughs> uh, what else? We sing a news song. <laughs> we try to find what our <laughs> news song <laughs> is <laughs> every single time. Yeah. We'll get it one day. One day. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you'd like. Yes. I'm Austin Costelli on Twitter and Instagram. I am Witch Tips on Tumblr and YouTube. I'm Ramparata Ann on everything. Everything. She also manages Seat Giant New York. Yep. If you want to follow that. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh, uh, we have a Facebook group you can yeah. join. And we're still taking your creepy or hometown murder stories and those yeah. kinds of things. We are HelenHighHorror at gmail.com. So mm-hmm. you could send those in there. Send whatever you want. Yep. Whatever you want. Austin wants a bunch of penis pictures. She loves them. I have one penis. I'm fine. She <laughs> loves penis pictures yeah. is what she's telling you. Great. Sure, when she's sick, she just wants to look at them. <laughs> just a bunch of A bunch dicks. of dicks. <laughs> but flaccid. She likes them flaccid. Just really, yeah. Flaccid and tiny, baby. That's how she likes them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Happy hauntings, everyone. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>